Hey everyone, this is Father Conrad, and uh, this is that time of the year when uh, all the different Catholic and charitable organizations that you uh, participate with ask for donations. And so Catholic Bites is is about the same. Um, as you know, all of our resources, all our podcasts, it's all for free, and we rely completely on the generosity of our donors to help make that happen. So this year we're trying to raise about $6,000, and, and the awesome thing is we already have donors who are willing to match gifts up to $3,000. So that means when you donate this year, your donation goes twice as far as normal in helping us to create resources for your spiritual life, great podcasts, great YouTube videos, and all sorts of awesome things. So I'm asking you if you'll prayerfully consider making a donation of maybe just $1 a day each day in Advent. So that's roughly about 25 bucks, but it actually raises $50 for our ministry. Thank you so much for your generosity, for all of you who have already given, and thank you for all your support and care. God bless you. Hello and welcome to Habemus Papam, episode 130, John the 12th. Dear brothers and sisters, Annuncio Vobis. Annuncio Vobis. Annuncio Vobis Gaudium Magnum. Gaudium Magnum. Gaudium Magnum. Habemus Papam. Hey everyone, today's Pope has a very different story than his predecessors. We've had some fairly holy, normal Popes up until this point, and this Pope is definitely an exception, and it starts with his family. We heard that last week, the dictator of Rome, Alberic II, required that his son, Octavian, who is going to become today's Pope, be elected Pope on the death of the Pope before him. Octavian is thus the son of Alberic II, and also the grandson of Alberic I and Marotsia. So if you remember her from past years, there have been other popes that are her descendants, and there will continue to be popes who are descendants. He was born in 937 AD, so at the death of Pope Agapetus II, he would have been only 18 years old. If you remember from last week, at his death in 954, Alberic II made the nobles of Rome promise to elect his son Octavian as pope, and this they did, electing him pope on December 16, 955, and he took the name John Twelfth. He is our first teenager pope, and that is not a good thing. Right off the bat, Pope John was not very interested in spiritual things. The papacy was more for him a position of power, where he could maneuver politically and enjoy the pleasures of living in the upper class of the Middle Ages. He was said to have treated his sacred duties with very little diligence and to have several inappropriate relationships with local women, leading a very dissolute and pleasure-seeking life. When he had to do things as Pope, he signed his name as John Twelfth. but when he did things in the secular world, he still went by his given name, Octavian. And the Liber Pontificalis wrote that he spent his life in lust and vanity. Now, John was a teenager entrusted with political power, and that didn't turn out so well either. First, he led an army himself in 960 south to Beneventum in Capua, and then later in the same year, he got in a fight with Berenger II. Now, we've had a couple of Berengers now in northern Italy. This is the first time we've met Berenger II, but he's the king of northern Italy. And he defeated the Duke of Spoleto, and he threatened Rome himself with his army. So John followed a familiar playbook. He called the German king Otto I for help. He sent a huge retinue of bishops and local Italian nobles to beg Otto for help against Berenger and for him to come in person to Rome perhaps offering to crown Otto I as Holy Roman Emperor if he came. Now, Otto agreed to come, swearing an oath before the delegates sent to him that he would free the Roman Church and restore the Pope to his rightful territory in Italy, taking with him a large army and several German bishops, including the Holy St. Conrad, the Bishop of Constance. Otto marched on northern Italy. Berenger retreated before him, and Otto arrived in Rome on January 31, 962. 
And just two days later, on the Feast of the Presentation of the Lord, Otto entered the city and was crowned Holy Roman Emperor in St. Peter's Basilica by John XII. Immediately following the coronation, John convened a synod in which the bishops discussed the new emperor's role in the church, and especially the role of the church in Germany. And as part of the ceremony, John made a promise to be faithful to Otto and never side with his enemies Berenger and Berenger's son Adalbert. So Otto promised to uphold the donations of territory given by previous emperors to the Pope in a document called the Privilegium Autonium. And so it's a pretty nice deal. Otto leaves Rome, crowned Holy Roman Emperor, and the Pope gets a guarantee of protecting the territory of Rome from all these other enemies surrounding them. But you would think that would be enough for John, but he wasn't really satisfied. Unfortunately, John XII is just not really a great pope. In fact, some places call him John the Bad. He continued to leave his scandalous lifestyle, and he almost immediately began to work with Berenger and Adalbert in northern Italy, who he had just promised Otto that he wasn't even going to talk to, much less work with. So he's stabbing Otto in the back right away. Word of this reached Otto, who also began hearing about how scandalously John was living, And so he sent some representatives to Rome to investigate, and they reported back to Otto, yep, things are really bad. In fact, they're worse than you've heard. Likewise, John had sent two of his clerics to Constantinople, apparently to negotiate with the Byzantine emperor there, again stabbing Otto in the back and trying to turn the Hungarians against the Germans. Otto, however, caught those uh, envoys on their way, and that just added to his frustration. So now... You can only put up with so much when you're the Holy Roman Emperor. He came to Italy again, and first he turned to Berenger, and he besieged him in one of his castles in northern Italy. And while he was there waiting for Berenger to capitulate, John XII sent Otto, the foremost noble in Rome, a man named Leo, to try and get Otto to back off. He failed. And so Otto in turn sent Liputrand of Cremona and another representative to Rome to try and get John XII to admit his guilt and reform. And they even suggested that they sell the issue by a duel, one champion for the Pope and one for Otto to just duke it out. But John refused, sending one more envoy to Otto made up of John the Bishop of Narnia, which is a real place in Italy, and the Cardinal Deacon Benedict. But things are only going to get worse from here. Adalbert, another one of those kings that John had promised not to have anything to do with, came to Rome in 963, and he made an alliance with the Pope. This was an open breach of his oath to Otto, which gave Otto the excuse that he was looking for to come to Rome itself and just deal with this idiotic pope. And this he did in the fall of 963. The city fell, John and Adalbert fled to Tivoli, and Otto was given some Roman nobles to hold as a hostage, and then he called a synod of bishops in St. Peter's Basilica. The synod condemned and deposed John XII and elected a new pope, Leo VIII, the same Leo who had been sent to Otto by John as a representative. Our main source for this synod is Liputrand of Cremona, who was there, but also who was a staunch Ottonian follower. Horace Mann doesn't usually trust his testimony at all, and other scholars are a little bit more ready to listen to him, but always with a grain of salt. But here is some of the testimony of what Liputrand says are the charges against the John XII. I won't read it all since it's long and very discouraging, but here's a little bit. Thereupon, the cardinal priest Peter got up and testified that he had seen the Pope celebrate Mass without himself communicating. John Bishop of Narni and John Cardinal Deacon then declared that they had seen the Pope ordain a deacon in a stable and in an improper season. On the question of his sacrilege, they said no inquiries were necessary. Knowledge of it was a matter of eyesight, not of hearsay. 
as regards his adultery, and then he goes on and lists his known mistresses, and that he had turned the holy places a brothel and a resort for harlots. He had gone hunting publicly. He had blinded his spiritual father, Benedict, who died of his injuries. He had set houses on fire and appeared in public equipped with sword, helmet, and cuirass. To all this they testified, while everyone, clergy and lady alike, loudly accused him of drinking wine for the love of the devil. At dice, they said, he added, asked the aid of Jupiter, Venus, and the other demons. He did not celebrate matins, nor observe the canonical hours, nor fortify himself with the sign of the cross. Now, obviously, this is embellished. But John was clearly not a holy dude. In fact, he was a very secular one. And in the end, all the bishops decide he was deposed. Now, here we get into a really tricky situation. The Annuario Pontifico, which I've been following, basically throws up its hands here. And it says that it's not sure who the correct pope is at this point. The next episode is going to be about Leo VIII. But many regard him as an antipope, including Horace Mann, whose history of the medieval papacy has been a big help for a lot of these episodes. John XII certainly didn't accept his deposition, so he technically was still Pope, but Leo seems to have been recognized by at least some as legitimate as well, and we'll have to wait for next episode to try and figure this all out. For now, let's go back to John XII. He was not idle during this time period, nor would he go quietly. Once the emperor had left Rome, John sent messages to the people of Rome, bribing them to overthrow the emperor and Leo VIII. This they did, violently overthrowing Leo VIII in February of 964. Leo was forced to flee Rome to Otto while John came triumphantly back into the city. He then mutilated his enemies who had sided with Otto, and he called together a new synod, which in 964 declared the previously synod completely overturned and reestablished John as Pope and declared all of Leo's activities void. Now, Otto, of course, heard about all this, but he had to wait for reinforcements to come from Germany. And when Otto finally started heading towards Rome, John fled again into the woods, but it would soon be a moot point because John Twelfth died suddenly on May 14, 964. Now, we only have one detailed account of his death, which needs to be taken again with a grain of salt since it's given by the pro-Otto Liputrand. And Liputrand said that John died of a stroke while he was committing adultery. He was 27 years old. John Twelfth was buried in the Latigran Basilica eventually. And next week, we're going to talk about Leo VIII, who, again, we're not quite sure of his legitimacy, but we'll settle that next time. Thanks for listening to Habemus Papam. You can check out the rest of the Catholic Bites podcast at catholicbitespodcast.com or find us on iTunes. Thank you and God bless. <laughs>